Hi everyone, welcome to episode 3 of the Big Issues podcast, an opportunity to stay engaged with the Christian ethos of FBS while the school is closed. Thanks for tuning in. A reminder to keep learning and thinking and questioning as you listen to these podcasts. There will be some big truth claims made in the Bible passages we're discussing. What do you think about them? And we'd love you to be involved with these podcasts going forward, so here are two big things you can do. Number one, if you have any questions, please do email them to me, s.brown at fullandboyschool.org.uk. Tell me what you think, tell me what your questions are, and we'll try to answer them in future weeks. And number two, we spoke to Mr O'Donnell in episode one about his favourite Bible verse, and we spoke to Miss Day about her favourite Bible verse in episode two. And we'd love to hear from you if you have a favourite Bible verse. You can just email me the verse, or you can email a link to a video or a sound recording with you reading the Bible verse you've chosen, and we will try to include it in a future podcast. In this Big Issues pod, we're doing an Easter special, and we're thinking about Easter and the coronavirus. That may seem strange, but keep listening. As always, there's a link to an assembly song or hymn in the description for this podcast. For this episode, we've chosen Oh Praise the Name, where we are encouraged to cast our minds to Calvary, to the first Easter where Jesus died. It's a great song to listen to over the Easter period. Mr O'Donnell's here again. I know he's looking forward to Easter. So any idea what kind of Easter egg you're going to get? Uh, I think the boys know I've got a sweet tooth. They've seen me dunking my biscuits uh, over on Bowen Avenue. So I'm not that fussy. I've gone dairy milk this year. So I'm pretty happy with that. Two, two big dairy milk bars and a dairy milk Easter egg. So I'm pleased with that. Okay. I think I've got an M&M's one. It can't be M&M's. And in this episode, we're also going to be joined by the Reverend William Rogers, who's the vicar of St. Matthew's, Fulham. And we thought we'd ask him about how the coronavirus is affecting his job as a vicar and about how it's affecting churches, but also whether the events of the first Easter have anything to say in the current coronavirus crisis. So here we go. Hi, Mr. Brown. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. So it's great to have you on the podcast. You've been into school a few times. You're a big supporter of the school. Really appreciate that. Done some assemblies. You often bring a lot of chocolate. Are you looking forward to Easter in terms of chocolate? Is it a, is it a chocolate fill time for you? I love chocolate, as you know. Difficult to buy Easter eggs at the moment. They're, they're not classes essential foodstuffs. So I'm hoping that there's some stocks that people got before the, um, the lockdown and they're going to bring them round and leave them at my gate. Let's hope for that. We can maybe get you back on in a few weeks' time to let us know how that goes. Easter is obviously a very big time for the Christian church. What would you normally be doing as a vicar? You're absolutely right. It's, it's by far the most important time in our calendar. My primary aim, ordinarily, is to be telling as many people as possible why it is the most important time. So I'd be in the schools that I go into. We'd have additional services. I'd be going into care homes and residential homes and telling people about the events of this week, which the church calls Holy Week. Yeah, and, and doing that through uh, lots of chocolate, as you've already mentioned, but just taking people to key passages in the Bible, which tell us why this is such an important week. And then we get to this year and we get to coronavirus and the crisis that the country is in. And how has your role particularly changed in the last couple of weeks? How will it change over Easter? Are there certain things that stay the same? Well, primarily, uh, my job is still to tell people uh, how much Jesus loves them and what he's done for them. And now we do that in a very, very different way. This is temporary. We're not meant to be apart. There's a wonderful passage in the New Testament in, in Hebrews where, where we're encouraged not to, you know, not to stop meeting with one another 
and others, some in the habit of doing. We're meant to be encouraging one another on a daily basis. And, and when we can't do that face to face in the same room, uh, we find that difficult. I think we're meant to be in relationship. So that is different. That is temporary. But the message that Jesus uh, loves us is unswerving. It, it doesn't change. And so my job in, in a very different way is to tell people that same thing that I tell them every year, that Jesus loves them and he died on the cross for them. But the way that I do it is fundamentally changed because we can't be in the same room as one another. What do you do then in terms of how do you communicate with the people in your church? What does it look like to do church without meeting physically together? Uh, gloriously, we are more connected as a church than we've ever been. We're actually speaking to each other on a, you know, at least two or three times a week. And groups of people in the church to look after one another, um, so to be in uh, daily contact to make sure that they're okay and things are going well. Some of our folk don't have any access to the internet, and so we're phoning them and we're writing to them just to encourage them. I send out an email each night with some a Bible verse and some thoughts and prayers. And for those who can't receive that, we're printing those off and posting. And then on a Sunday, we are live streaming, uh, which is a terrifying thing to do. I'm very happy speaking in front of lots of people, but put a camera in front of me and um, that's a whole different ball game. But so we're, we live stream every Sunday morning. We have a um, prayer meeting. I'm not sure whether they're allowed to uh, reference brands, but everyone seems to be using Zoom. So we have a Zoom prayer meetings and then we're having Zoom coffee um, after the service. So we'll do a live stream and then we'll break out into our own Zoom uh, virtual coffees. So we're connecting in very different ways, um, but we are still connecting because the church isn't the building, it's the people. And the people are still meeting together in ways that perhaps we hadn't thought we would need to do, but we are currently doing. The coffee after the live stream service is something uh, my group has been doing as well. And it's been really good because it's something you'd naturally do after a service anyway. You yeah. go around and talk to people and find out how their weeks have been. And it's maintained a sort of that natural sense of community by doing that after the service, which has been really helpful. Yeah, yeah. I just think that's really interesting. And people who maybe aren't part of churches might be wondering how churches can keep going. All the government has said is the churches are closed, but churches aren't closed. Church buildings are closed church meetings physical meetings are closed but actually churches are more alive than ever that's certainly my experience yeah churches are, are finding a lot of different ways to connect mr o'donnell how do you find using zoom do you find it awkward or are you natural with technology i wouldn't ever describe myself as a natural technology i wouldn't say i'm camera shy or shy at all so i don't mind it in that sense no i, I, I don't mind it i find it really helpful with the church youth group on a Friday night, we use Zoom to, to stay in contact with them and run games and stuff. So I'm becoming better with technology as part of this process. Yeah, I've heard great stories about that youth group, Zoom, uh, the kind of games you're playing and annoying a lot of parents probably. <laughs> great. And boys and anyone else listening, maybe this is a great opportunity for you to virtually go along to a church. There are lots and lots of churches that are running online services over Easter and the cultural calendar, I think that Mr. Brownie sent out, there's a couple of links there to live stream services so why not check those out um, we're just going to talk for the next few minutes about easter and about coronavirus and william i just posed this question to you about easter being two thousand years ago in a different country uh, it feels very distant maybe to some people coronavirus is in our faces it's on the news all the time it's very much a 2020 thing no no one had heard about it last year it's very much in the present so what on earth does Easter have to do with coronavirus? Is there any connection? What kind of hope or comfort can Christians take away from it? 
Yeah, thank you. Um, just before we went into lockdown, I was at FBS and I was taking some assemblies and said then that if my faith cannot stand up to the coronavirus, then it is not worth having. But if it can, well, then there's something to say. And the events of, of Holy Week, of Good Friday and Easter Sunday are evidence that it can stand up to the coronavirus. You are right. It's 2000 years ago, 2000 miles away. And what on earth can it say to us? Well, I think you can say a few things. You can't make sense of the cross unless you understand love. The cross is love perfectly demonstrated. As a church, we're looking at John's gospel this week. Uh, and we see the love that Jesus has for those who have been following him. The love that took him to the cross. It's the love that allows, allows us to see his face, to see uh, God's plan for us. If you think over the last 2000 years, the challenges that the world has faced, countless wars, disease, illness, the coronavirus stands in a long line of those and, and nothing's changed. God hasn't changed. The love that Jesus has for us has not changed. The Bible tells us that nothing takes God by surprise. There's nothing that happens that's outside of his control. And so the painful reality of that is that God knew that the coronavirus was going to come this year, uh, yet his son still died for us. And, uh, and when we, and we can't get our head around that completely, but when we start to glimpse that love, when we start to glimpse that Jesus died for us, so that whatever might happen in our lives, whether that is an illness unrelated to coronavirus, a, a war, the death of a loved one, the loss of a job, you know, anything that we might consider not in our plans. Whenever that happens, Jesus says, I still love you. And I can point beyond your current trial or trouble. I can take you to somewhere that is outside of an illness or a war or an upsetting time. I can point you to something that is eternal and beautiful and without fault. And the picture that we see at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis when God has perfected everything and he talks about the rest on day seven is the rest that uh, is promised for all those who trust Jesus, that it'll be an eternal, glorious, wonderful party. No tears, no suffering, no illness, no bereavement, no loss of income, no dodgy exam result. It will be perfect. And the sad reality of this world is that when the coronavirus is over, there will be something else that will impact our lives that will be upsetting or difficult or challenging. And Jesus says, well, I love you through that as well. Yes. And how does he show us that love? He shows his love through suffering for us on the cross. Some people might be saying in this crisis, God doesn't know what I'm going through. God seems very distant. God doesn't understand what it is to suffer. And you look at the cross and you say, well, God does. Um, in his humanity, Jesus suffers on that cross. And through that suffering, he shows us his love. And through that suffering, he wins salvation for, for all those who trust in him. He wins a people for himself. And it is also the way that he will be able to take that new people to that wonderful new creation that you've been talking about. It's interesting you talk about John's gospel because we've been looking at Luke's gospel with my church youth group and just seeing those two different accounts by two different people about Jesus' life and seeing the similarities. And as early as Luke 9, he talks about Jesus sets out for Jerusalem. This is a good sort of 10 chapters before he's eventually crucified, but even 10 chapters before it happens, Jesus sets out knowing he's going to die. And I think that just shows his love um, that he came knowing that is what he had to do, um, but also shows his control on the situation. He went to Jerusalem. Uh, he could have stayed in the north of the country, far away from Jerusalem, but he chose to go there knowing uh, it would eventually be to die. Um, that just shows I think, God's love and God's control in all situations. 
we're going through John's gospel as well in our church, in our life groups, Bible study groups, and really struck in chapter in, in towards the end of John, where Jesus is arrested in Gethsemane. It says that a whole host of soldiers comes out to arrest him. And yet he is in total control that as everyone is plotting to kill him and he's put on trial, actually, he is the one who's in total control of everything that happens. He willingly goes to the cross, but even as he is being bound even as he's being mocked, even as he's being beaten, even as he's being spat at, even as he's climbing that hill with a cross on his back, even as he faces all of those things, he's still in control. And I think we're in a situation where we've got some of our country's leaders in hospital. We've got a situation where it seems out of control to know that when we look at the cross, Jesus is in absolute control, even in that moment that looks like a moment of weakness for him. That's incredibly comforting, isn't it? When Jesus died, it looked like he'd been defeated. It looked like the claims of the last three years had come to nothing. Those who doubted him could laugh and mock and say, look, he can't even save himself. How on earth was he going to save anyone else? And then, of course, he died. There's lots of narratives in the Bible around that. The temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. The sky turned black and a soldier who's used to death saw that he died and said, surely this man is the son of God. And everyone was distraught. Friday was a bleak day. And then gloriously on Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. The tomb was empty. And the resurrection is proof that Jesus has power over death. And he has power over death and he has power over the coronavirus. If you've ever been in a situation where you're struggling, what you want is someone bigger than you, someone who can step in, someone who can rescue you, can comfort you, can be with you. And the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus is evidence that he is the one who can stand with us when things aren't going well. And that must include the coronavirus. There's a brilliant line in Toy Story 2. Toy Story 2, I think, is a phenomenal film. It's one of the only films that is better than the first film, other than Empire Strikes Back, which is easily the best sequel of all time. Um, I think Toy Story 2 sits next to that. And in that, Buzz Lightyear says this, uh, Woody once risked his life to save me. I couldn't call myself his friend if I weren't willing to do the same. And the truth is, of course, that Jesus goes beyond that. He's not willing to risk his life. He gives his life willingly so that we might be his friend. Um, and then the fact is he didn't just die. The fact that he, he rose again. Um, and I think for the Christian, that's incredibly important. I remember having a conversation with you once, Mr. Brown, and you said uh, it, the question isn't whether Jesus uh, lived and died, but it's whether Jesus died and now lives. And I think for the Christian, we have four gospel accounts and the start of the book of Acts as well of eyewitnesses saying they've seen the risen Jesus. And I think that's incredibly important. I think for the boys listening, read these accounts for yourselves from these eyewitnesses. Yeah, and also that hope of new life that comes from the resurrection. I'm always struck by just three words that are said by the angels to the women in Matthew 28. They say, he is not here. He has risen just as he said, come see the place where he lay. And just those three words, he has risen, makes such a difference to a Christian who is suffering with coronavirus or fearing death in this terrible situation. Actually, the fact that he has risen means that Jesus has risen to new life and they will rise to new life. He has gone before them. And that's incredible hope. I remember seeing someone who was very close to death and in their room, room they had a tea towel on the wall and the tea towel had those words written on it. He has risen. And it's a strange thing, isn't it, to have a tea towel stuck on the wall. But for them, those three words meant everything in the face of death. So what does Jesus have to say into the coronavirus? Absolutely everything. 
I personally couldn't cope with the with the tragedies of life of which coronavirus is one without knowing that there is something better and there is someone bigger. Uh, and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the answer yes to both of those points. Well, a big thanks to the Reverend William Rogers for taking the time to speak to us about Easter and the coronavirus. And I'm going to pray now for God's help to those battling this virus. Lord our Father, give wisdom to our leaders as they face difficult decisions. Strengthen the Prime Minister. Protect all who place their own health at risk as they care for others. Strengthen and encourage them in their service. Speed the work of those who seek to provide tests and a vaccine. And loving Lord, heal the sick and comfort the bereaved. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. And I'm going to finish this podcast with some words from Philippians chapter 2. Words that Christians can use to proclaim their faith in Jesus as Saviour and as King. A reminder that you may also want to listen to the recording of a praise the name after this pod. Philippians chapter 2. Though Jesus was divine, he did not cling to equality with God, but made himself nothing. Taking the form of a slave, he became as we are. As a man, he humbled himself and was obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has raised him on high and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every voice proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. See you next time. Thank you.